We want to become the most dominant, most physical, most disciplined team, not this year, not next year, every year. That's who we want to become. I sit here. That's why this is going to be a marriage made in heaven for a long, long, long time. We will absolutely set this place on fire. And if you're late, don't come in. And good evening, Friar Town. Welcome back to the FriarBasketball.com podcast. My name is Craig Bellhumer. I have Kevin Fairhar and Craig Layton with me. This is now our eighth podcast of the season, so thank you for listening in. On the docket for today's show, former Providence College head coach Pete Gillen, who led the Friars to the 1994 Elite Eight, and also called PC's Tuesday night game on the road against Butler. But before we welcome Pete onto the show, we have to talk about the 66-62 win from just a couple of days ago. Chris Dunn put together what could be called his best collegiate performance, scoring 20 of his 25 points in the second half, behind an unorthodox coaching strategy that Ed Cooley laid out in that second half. Trailing by seven points at the break, Cooley deployed a lineup that nobody would have predicted as he sent out Ladante Henton, Chris Dunn, Pascal Chukwu, Junior LaMamba, and Ted Bancroft. Aside from LaMamba, for a mere couple of minutes, that group never came off the floor and willed the Friars to a four-point victory. So, Kevin, I'll start with you. What were your thoughts after that stressful game Tuesday night? Well, my biggest takeaway was just the play of Pascal Chukwu. Um, There was so much talk about the lineup change and the guts it took from Cooley, and it did. But I thought the biggest takeaway was Chukwu. He ended the game with nine rebounds, but I don't think most people realize that all nine came in the second half. And I thought the most impressive thing with him was he was grabbing all those boards in traffic. People were slapping at the ball. And he's pretty strong with the ball for a seven foot two, fairly skinny freshman. And that, to be honest, really surprised me. I've been watching him. You know, Craig Layton, I saw him back his, before his junior year of high school. Um, and he's, he's really just come so far. And it was really impressive. And there were some folks early in the year calling for him to play more. And I wasn't necessarily on board. I thought he showed some spurts, but that was really, really impressive. And I, I hope he sees a lot more floor time going forward. Yeah, for sure. I mean, admittedly, I, I went to see Pascal play several times uh, during his senior year at Fairfield Prep. And I mean, I, I never thought that he would be able to have that type of impact as a freshman. And obviously what he put on display on Tuesday night was, was very impressive. And, and even the, the two free throws that he hit at the end of the game, yeah. uh, he had ice in his veins. He looked calm out there. I, I just thought it was great to see. Uh, Craig, what do you think? Well, I thought he was great, uh, the rebounding. And like you said, those two free throws, you just don't see a big man with that kind of a shooting touch, particularly when he's only been playing for a few years. I mean, his potential is uh, through the roof. Um, the thing that impressed me the most, uh, the most about the game was that, uh, you know, we have two bona fide stars in Chris Dunn and LaDonte Hinton on the team. And a lot of teams, you know, are lucky if they have one. So I think we could take those two guys and go quite far with those two guys if we can get a third scorer in there and some complementary players on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I mean, I think that's where Tyler Harris comes in. You know, he, he played the least minutes on Tuesday night that he ever has since becoming a Friar. Just 15 minutes of the floor. He, he, he was barely out there in the second half. He came in for a couple of minutes, if that. 
so I, I think, you know, moving forward, he hasn't particularly done that well coming off the bench since Cooley moved him out of the starting lineup. But for me, moving forward, I, I, I really look to both Tyler Harris and Jalen Lindsey to fill that third scoring gap. I, I, I think one of the two will step up by season's end. Yeah, Craig, I'm, I'm not as confident as you are as, as far as the third scorer goes. That's a, my biggest concern by far. I think defensively they'll be fine. But yeah, I think it's going to have to be a little bit of smoke and mirrors going forward. Um, you know, Dunn and LaDante have been great. Uh, but if one of the two is an off game, this team could be in a lot of trouble. With, with Harris, it seemed like he was really finding a niche earlier in the year, playing, you know, 17 feet and in. A lot of times back to the basket and... Being in a position where he could just take one dribble either get fouled or or pull up and score, and it seems like now he's a little bit lost offensively. And, and I, you know, I, I hope he can get it going again, but I, I certainly have my concerns. You know, Craig Layton, what are your what are your thoughts on Tyler? He certainly is in a funk right now. I, uh, I I think I know a lot of people don't want to see this, but I'd like to see him back in the starting lineup and see how you know he really started going downhill after uh, Cooley. Took him out of the starting lineup and brought you know brought him in off the bench for some instant offense. I'd like to see him back in the starting lineup just to get some confidence going, not not be worried about getting you know uh, taken right back out you know if he does a bad play or something like that, and maybe uh, get more into the flow of the game right away. But uh, we'll see. Yeah, for me, for, for Harris, for me, I mean, he he has been extremely frustrating, uh, which I'm sure a lot of fans feel that way as well. I feel like you know. Kevin, you just mentioned he, he's best 17 feet and in. I, I like to see him anywhere below the free throw line where he only needs to make like at, at most one or two dribbles. He seems to always do really well in that area of the court. What I hate is that when he catches the ball on the perimeter on a fast break, and I, I mean, obviously there's no stats on this, but I, I want to say that maybe like 50 to 70% of the time he's going to pick up a charge on a fast break. He just seems to throw his body into the defender. Uh, I, that drives me absolutely nuts. But uh, it, he's good right around the basket. When he, he usually, if he has a, a smaller guy on him, he almost always scores when he's on the block or, or near that spot. So, you know, I, I hope that once he gains his confidence back, if that happens, try and get him to the, get him the ball in better places where he can succeed because he just he doesn't have the ball skills to catch it catch the ball on perimeter and dribble up and 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 you know go up at the hoop elegantly right now he just he just float he just crushes people and gets called for a charge and and I tweeted it out the other night but every time he turns the ball over I feel like I lose a year on my life <laughs> yeah you know he, he definitely forces it but I, I think I really think he can be effective inside and, and I think that's where they need to and part of that's on coaching you know people are gonna kill Tyler for it but I, to me, I think it's pretty obvious that he's he's much more effective in the paint. So I think PC, if they're looking to get his confidence going, get him inside where there's some easier buckets to score, we can get to the line where, admittedly, he hasn't been as good as he was last year, but he's still a good free throw shooter. I think that's I, I think they'll get him going. I just don't know if it'll be enough. Where you know, they've needed superhuman efforts from Ladante and and from Chris Dunn. I was looking this morning, and I know it's early, but through three Big East games, Henton's averaging 27 points a game in the league, and Dunn is averaging like, you know, 12 points, I think eight assists and seven rebounds. And, and that's to get them to two and one. So I think they've been relying really heavily on those guys being that good. 
and and they're going to need more. The one thing I'm looking forward to seeing going forward, I know there's been a lot of talk about what the starting lineup is going to be, and that's not really a concern for me, to be honest. I, the lineup changes within three or four minutes, so I, I could care less who starts. I'm interested who gets more minutes coming out of this game on Tuesday. And I think one guy who could is Junior Lamamba. I thought that not he didn't show it in huge, uh, more in small spurts, but he can put the ball on the floor a little bit. The one thing that hurts PC right now is outside of Dunn and Cartwright, there's not really another ball handler, and I think they need one. And he can help in that role a little bit. You know, He's not going to run the offense, but I think he's got more skills off the balance than Jalen Lindsay does, and that could be useful as well. Yeah, Craig, I, I'm sorry. Kevin, I, I see that too for Lamamba. Uh, but one more, I just wanted to make one last point on Harris. You know, he has been down in the past couple of games. He hasn't scored in double figures since the Miami game where he had 13. But he has, I mean, he, ha- he has shown that he can score. And uh, he can be that third scorer on the team, if not the second scorer. You know, at, at, against Notre Dame, he had 17. Against URI, he had 17. And then to open the year against Albany, granted it was Albany, uh, he had 23 points. So I, I, I just... I, like you said, it's coaching. Hopefully they can coach his confidence back up. Um, but getting back to your last point about the starting lineup, I agree. Cooley usually makes a ton of subs, so I, I really don't think it, it truly matters who starts the game at all. You know. Yeah, I'm not worried about it. Craig Layton, what are your thoughts? Um, like I said, i just like to see him in the starting lineup just to uh, see if that will uh... – you know, do something to uh, get him motivated or do something for his confidence. But uh, actually, as far as who starts and who doesn't, I'm with you guys. Uh, it really doesn't matter. It's who's getting the most minutes and who's most effective at the end of the game. Yeah, for so sure. So where are you guys right now confidence-wise in this team? With me, the Butler win was great. And admittedly, it's the road. They look a lot different than the road. Right now, for me, I can't shake the feeling that it's a little bit smoke and mirrors. And, and I feel like I'm on an island a little bit with that opinion because people seem really excited with the RPI being 16 right now. And and they've had really good performances. You know, Miami was obviously the most recent one. Um, but I'll be interested to see these next two games against Georgetown and, and St. John's. I, I think... Even splitting that, it's going to be decent. I think you know St. John's hasn't started great, but I think both of these are tough games. I think we'll learn a lot about PC in these next two, but just want to gauge your confidence level at this point of the season. You know, I, I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty confident with this team. You know, you, you look back at last year, right around this time, they had just come off three straight losses against UMass, Seton Hall, and Villanova. Actually, getting smoked by Villanova by 30. Um, granted, it was at Villanova. But probably my biggest concern right now is just rebounding. You know, I you look at the team. Yes, Chris Dunn is a good rebounder for a guard. But with the switch of LaDante Henton sort of playing more so on the perimeter, Henton's only averaging a little over five and a half rebounds a game this season. And Dunn is just .1 rebounds on average less than LaDante each game. And, you know... For a team that lost Kadeem Bats, and now you have two seven-footers. Granted, Pascal hasn't gotten a ton of minutes, but I just think that they need to have a better effort on the rebounding front if they want to be in games. The currently Friars are currently 179th in the country in team rebounding, um, and I just think that needs to be something that the coaches need to emphasize moving forward, uh, especially as Big East play and with Georgetown on Saturday. You know, I think that'll be a, a really important factor. 
Yeah, and Craig, that's been a concern of mine since the preseason. I don't know if you guys will recall, but when we had Kevin McNamara on our podcast before the season started, that was the one thing I brought to him. Um, just a concern I had when I heard that Dante Hentum was going to be out on the perimeter because I thought Kadeem Batts is a really underrated rebounder. He was first in the league in offensive rebounds, and I was kind of hoping that Dante would pick up the slack there because this team has a lot of length, but I wasn't sure if they had any great rebounders. And right now, outside of Henton and Dunn, the only ones who show potential to really pick up the slack there in where I find Pascal's effort being so encouraging uh, last game was, was Pascal. But otherwise, they just they haven't been a great rebounding team. It's really gone under the radar. So I think it's a good point, Craig. Yeah, I mean, you look at LaDante's uh, rebounding averages over his four-year career. He averaged 8.6 his freshman year. And each year after that, you've seen a decline. And, I mean, obviously his offensive production has increased a lot this season. He was averaging over seven points more a game than he did last year. Uh, And with that move sort of playing more so on the perimeter, that's just natural to happen, I feel like. But, you know, with that being said, somebody needs to pick up the slack. And, and, you know, looking at Pascal Chukwu for the remainder of the season, because you know that it's just it's unlikely that, that DeRozas is going to, you know, all of a sudden become a, a double-digit rebound guy each and every game. Um, so that that's really something that I'll be watching closely uh, moving forward. What do you guys think about the uh, possibility of playing the Twin Towers a little bit together once in a while to see if that can help with rebounding? Yeah, I, I don't know. To me, I still think Carson's a good rebounder, so I don't know how much, how much that's really going to help. Um how much is his length going to help versus a guy who's maybe six seven six eight and a really good rebounder? I, I don't know. Um, people have been calling for that. I'm not crazy about the idea. I, I can't articulate why at this point. Um, but I don't know. I, maybe as a wrinkle, I wouldn't mind seeing it, but there's not much there that intrigues me. Yeah, me either. You know, and I correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like when both of them are in there, they're usually in a two three zone, and and when Pascal's in there, it pushes. Carson out to the wing and I feel like moving a guy that already struggles rebounding to begin with moving him away from the basket um, is sort of counterintuitive so um, you know I like Kevin said I don't mind it from time to time but I don't know as an overall strategy I'm not not huge on that idea Um, What what do you think Craig are you into it uh I'd like to see it just for a change of pace you know uh Particularly against uh, you know certain teams coming up like uh, against Georgetown, uh, there's no way because we have to go up against jo- Josh Smith and uh, we're probably going to need all ten of those fouls. So I don't think we should have them on the court at the same time ever during that game because they're going to have enough problems with Josh Smith to, to begin with. Yeah, and I, I think that's a good segue. And Kevin, I'll kick this over to you. Uh, if, if fans, if you haven't been paying attention, Kevin's been covering the Big East on a weekly basis for Cox Hub. Uh, so definitely want to check out those articles. We've been sharing them on on, on FriarBasketball.com. But, Kevin, uh, what are your thoughts heading into Saturday? Jo- good Georgetown team comes into Providence. Uh, noon tip-off. Uh, what do you expect on Saturday afternoon? Yeah, good, good Georgetown team. Not great, to be honest. I really thought – I think talent-wise, they're as talented as any team in the league. Uh, Smith Rivera is probably as clutch a shot maker as there is. And – of course, Josh Smith is that huge body who's who's a really, really hard cover. And I think that's one area. The two things I did worry about, getting back to Kadeem Batts and losing him, is the offensive rebounding. And just having that big body, 
if you'll remember against guys like um, you know Eugene Teague, who was at Seton Hall recently, I think that's where Kadeem really came in handy, where he he could body up these big guys. So I'll be interested to see what they do you know, with Smith. Obviously, it's going to be Carson. Not what they do, more more how they'll do it. Um, in in a, to be honest, I thought their freshman class would have a little bit more of an impact. Um, LJ Peak has been really good, but. Uh, the guy who surprised me is um, Isaac Copeland. I think he was like a top 15-ish, 20-ish recruit. He was at Brewster Academy last year. Um, you know, he was top 20 nationally, and I thought he was going to really come in and have an impact right away. But, um, you know, he hasn't so far. And, and again, they're freshmen, so you understand. But I thought their class would have a little bit more of an impact. But they're a tough team to get a read on. You know, they've played some really, really good teams really tight. They beat Florida. They played Wisconsin down to the wire. Uh, they played Kansas really tough. But, you know, they've had some of their dud games in there as well. Um, you know, Butler beat them I think, pretty handily. They lost to Xavier by 17. So it's tough to get a read. I think PC's got to get this one, though, at home against these guys. It won't be easy to beat them on the road. Yeah, I mean, I'm expecting a good crowd, too, on Saturday. Noon tip-off on a weekend. I think it'll be a good, good crowd. Unfortunately, students aren't back yet. Uh, but maybe a couple of the upperclassmen will, will make the – make the trip down to the Dunkin' Donuts Center. But, you know, looking at, at, at Georgetown, from my point of view, obviously Smith Rivera, he's the guy that gets all the notoriety. He's coming in averaging a little over 14 a game. And, and But, you know, we were just discussing the rebounding struggles for the Friars. Georgetown isn't particularly a great rebounding team either. They're, they're 174th in the country, and, you know, Smith's a big body, but he's only averaging six boards a game himself. So... You know, I think if 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 Chuku gets a little bit more time, I think he's going to struggle against this Josh Smith's body. But um, I think this is a good test to show that they are a better rebounding team than what the stats show this year. Yeah, Smith doesn't get a ton of. He's got about six boards, but he doesn't play a ton of minutes. He's probably around twenty minutes a game. So I'd say probably rebound per minute is pretty effective. Um, the other big guy they have is uh, Michael Hopkins, who's pretty good. He's an athletic, probably six nine kid who can block some shots and rebounds. So those would be probably the two big guys inside. But you know, it, it's a it's a fairly even matchup. You know, Craig Layton. I'm not sure how much you've seen Georgetown this year, but interested to get your perspective on these guys as well. I've seen him play a few times. Uh, Josh Smith is is a load underneath. Uh, if he gets the ball down low, he's going to put it in the basket, and it doesn't matter who the, who is the shot blocker. He just he just leads into you, and that takes all your uh, jumping ability away. Um, if, if they can limit him, uh, not let him get the ball down low, I think they have a decent uh, chance of winning this game. And uh, I, I would say probably they're probably going to go in a three or four point favorite, and uh, I think they're going to win. Well, well, we'll see on Saturday. I mean, uh, it should be a good one. I'm headed up on Saturday morning, got a 7 a.m. train, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, but I think that that's a good summary of what we've got ahead and uh, certainly the game against Butler on Tuesday night, what I call the most stressful game of the year. Uh, but coming up after the break, we'll welcome on former Providence College head coach Pete Gillen. Stay tuned for that.
All right, and now on the program, we have former Providence College head coach Pete Gillen. Pete was on the call for the Providence-Butler game just a couple nights ago as the Friars were on the road, picked up their first Big East win, 66-62 against Butler. Pete, great to have you. Just curious to hear what your thoughts were on your first time watching PC this year in person. Well, I was very impressed, Greg. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me on your show. Uh, and uh, I was very impressed with the Friars. I thought their defense was outstanding. And uh, they blocked 10 shots, as you know, and, and held Butler to 34% from the field, 33-9. So uh, I was very impressed. I, I thought uh, it was like a tale of two halves. First half, Friars struggled a little bit, weren't playing great. But second half, they were outstanding. I think the defense was the key, and, and Chris Dunn was tremendous. 20 points in the second half, and uh, Pascal Chuku was fabulous. So, and Dante Henson did a very, very nice job also as, you know, preseason. Should be first-team preseason all Big East. He was second, as you know. So, um, great win on the road. Tough place to play. Coming in, I think Butler was 7-0 coming into the, the game. So, great win for the Friars. And, Pete, uh, I was curious to hear what your thoughts were on the strategy that Ed Cooley put on the floor during the second half. As you saw, he played a couple of guys that rarely see the floor so far this season, playing Ted Bancroft the entire second half along with Junior Lamamba and sitting guys like Tyler Harris and Carson DeRozier as well as Ben Bentil and Jalen Lindsey for the entire second half. I was just curious to, to hear what you thought of that and, and obviously the outcome of doing that. Well, it worked out great. Uh, I didn't talk to Ed afterwards, honestly, but uh, I think he just was upset probably with the aggressiveness, the rebounding, the intensity of some of the guys. And he said, heck with it. We're going to play guys that compete. And uh, Pascal was fabulous. And, you know, I thought Bancroft was solid defensively. He didn't score, but I thought he played hard. So I think it was more Tyler Harris got in a little bit. But he was up and down. So I think it was more, uh, you know, worried about the, the aggressiveness, the feistiness, the, the uh, you know, attacking philosophy that they didn't have in the first half. In the second half, they were much more aggressive. They rebounded much better, and uh, they won the game. So I, I think uh, a great move by Ed. He just says, hey, we're going to do it my way, and his way certainly worked out the other night. And Pete, this is Kevin Farrer. I had a quick question for you just about the offense for Providence. I was wondering if you thought they had enough depth offensively to compete for a Big East title this year. Well, I think they'll be in the mix, but i, I got to get some more from some other guys, you know, they have two steady ones and Ladante Henton and, and Chris Dunn, but the other guys, it's up and down, you know, I think the Rogers getting better, but he's got to give it a little more offensively, you know, he played in the first half the other day and the freshmen are freshmen, they're going to be up and down, Ben Thiel and Lindsay are good players, but right now they got to be more consistent. So I think time will tell, they're growing and they can, they can win the championship, but they still have to get, it just can't be the two, you know, star players. They got to get a lot more help. So, and with freshmen, it's tough to depend on them, you know, night after night in an excellent league like the Big East. Pete, this is Craig Layton. One of your former players, God Sham God, has been on the staff for the past uh, few years. It must feel gratifying to uh, have one of your former players make the effort, go back to school, get his degree, and see he's coming along so well. Yeah, I'm thrilled. I talked to him before and, and afterwards, and uh, it's great to see him. He brings back a lot of wonderful memories, my time with the Friars, and he was certainly a great point guard. Helped us get to the lead eight. And, um, yeah, it's, it's great that he's coming back and finishing his degree. He's almost done. And he works with the players individually, you know, on his own. And uh, they, it's volunteer that they ask him. And uh, he did a great job with Bryce Cotton last year, from what I understand, helping him continue to progress. And 
he's helping Labonte Henson and some of the other young players, you know, Chris Dunn and Cartwright. So um, I think it's it's a win-win. It's a win for, you know, God Sham got to be back finishing up his uh, academics and getting his undergraduate degree, being around a great place like Providence College. And it's great for these young men to be, you know, taught and helped, but with my sham guard who plays professional ball overseas, you know, so I think it's a win-win for everybody. For sure. And, and, and Pete, Craig brought up your, your former players. Again, I want, I want to go back in the past a little bit, too. I know I spoke to you last year during the Big East tournament, but we haven't gotten a chance to speak since the Friars won the Big East tournament and obviously went on for an NCAA berth playing North Carolina. I was just curious to, to hear your thoughts on, on last year's team. Obviously a special season for the Friars. Uh, what was it like to watch as a former coach? Well, I was very proud. It was, they had a great team. I mean, the fact to have the adversity of losing Chris Dunn for the year, you know, and that, that really hurt them. And then move Bryce Cotton, who, you know, was more of an off guard to the point, and he was fabulous there. So I credit uh, Ed Cooley for doing that. I mean, it was a nice adjustment. That's uh, probably his only thing he could do, but it worked. He, you know, and they didn't have a lot of margin for error as far as a lot of bodies, but uh, I thought, you know, they did a terrific job, uh, you know, um, with that. So they had a great team and they should have beaten North Carolina. I saw the game. They were winning most of the game. And, uh, you know, just Marcus Page came back at the end. The last three or four minutes hit some shots for North Carolina, but they very easily could have won that game and they were winning most of the game. So uh, I was very proud of them. They had a great year and this team's a terrific team too, except this team is, you know, with so many young freshmen and new players. Uh, but they, they certainly have two great building blocks, you know, about the end and Chris Dunn. And Pete, this is Kevin again. I had a question for you on when you came back here. I know they had a 15-year anniversary celebration for the 97 team. I wanted to get your thoughts on what it was like to be back at Providence with all the guys from that team. Oh, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, it was great to see him again. I talked to a couple of them sporadically, not a lot, because I'm running around there busy in their world. But it was great to see them. Uh, you know, it was, it was fun to see uh, Jamel and Corey Wright and Sham God and you know, all the other players. Uh, so it was it was really fun. It was a proud moment. And it's tough to get in the NCAA tournament. And we were fortunate to win three games. And if I had a good out of bounds play, we won four. I got to the final four. So, but uh, it was a lot of fun. And uh, it was nice that the school honored you know the team and you know was kind enough to to pay for the you know the housing when they got there and the food and, and some nice gifts etc. So it was a, a nice moment to remember. You know, the 15 year anniversary. It's, it's hard to believe it's 15 years. It didn't seem like that long ago, but. Time goes fast, uh, but uh, it was a great, great weekend. It was enjoyed. Uh, we played golf with Father Shanley. We had some, had some fun, so uh, it was a good time. Oh, that's great. Oh, great to hear. Pete, very nice having you on the show. We really appreciate it. It was nice hearing you call the game as well. Do you have any other more games this year where you'll be calling, calling PC? No, unfortunately, I don't have any more Friday games. I had two last year when uh, you guys uh, beat Brown and then one in the Creighton at the end of the season. Uh, out there in Omaha, but no, unfortunately, it's my last Friday game for the year, so uh, we ended on a win, and hopefully they'll keep winning. I think they're going to have a great season, and uh, the league is tough, but I think they're going to do very well. Hopefully. We're, we're on a roll right now, one win at Butler on the road, and they got Georgetown on Saturday, so we'll look forward to that. Yep. Thanks uh, for having me on your show. Thanks very much, Pete. Thank you, Pete. Bye-bye now. So some great stuff there from former Providence College head coach Pete Gillen. Really nice hearing him call the game the other night for the CBS Sports Network. As you heard, he won't be calling another game this season, but maybe next year we'll have him on again. 
but, you know, Pete's a great guy. I've spoken to him several times over the past couple of years. Uh, unfortunately, I was a little young when he was coaching at PC for me to remember <laughs> uh, those teams, particularly the Elite Eight team. Uh, according to my dad, I fell asleep during that game, uh, which which is shameful as a, as a Friar fan. Uh, but Kevin, I don't know. Do you have any interesting stories about Pete? You know, I just had I read out a quick tweet that I just got um, on Twitter from at Friars ninety three. I once asked Pete if crappy Rhode Island weather affected recruiting at Providence. He said, "Quote: No, we play indoors." <laughs> <laughs> so you know, you know, I've heard over the years that he had a lot of really good one liners like that. So it, it's it's great to be able to connect with him. Yeah, he, he did have a lot of great one liners, and I have. I think that's what he's remembered most for is that and his his Elite Eight run. Um, for me, really, two memories stick out. My freshman year at Providence was actually the year after they went to the Elite Eight. So I was only at PC one year when, when Pete was there. I remember him just being a really, really good um, game coach. Uh, but my two memories of Pete were on my very first day of freshman year, I just come out of the cafeteria with a, a guy that I obviously just met at PC. And Pete Gill was cutting through campus, and we stopped him, and you know, we just started talking basketball. And he spent probably 15 minutes, 20 minutes with us just talking hoops and saying how much we were going to love Providence, what a special school it was. It was it was really, really neat. And then that next year, it goes a little bit forgotten because of the Elite Eight team, but he did a good job with a really undermanned team the following season. They basically had Jamel Thomas and Aaron Maxey, who were 6'5", 6'6", playing the 4 and the 5. And he got that team. They, I remember the Big East tournament. I went to the Big East tournament that year, my first year, obviously, as a, a PC student. And they beat Notre Dame with Pat Garrity. And in the second round, they played UConn, who eventually won the national championship that year with Richard Hamilton and, and El Amin. And, and PC played him right down to the wire. It was probably a two-point game with two and a half, three minutes to go. And it, and it was shocking. And the UConn fans, and they were really, really quiet. And obviously, it was a great UConn team. But I just remember Pete being... A terrific in-game coach and, and Craig Layton I'm sure you have even more memories of him than I do but I want to get your thoughts as well on Pete. Pete was one of the great characters in college basketball I got so many memories on Pete um, first off uh, is his great one-liners um, when he was uh, getting ready to play Duke in the NCAA tournament uh, they asked him what's the difference between uh, PC and Duke and uh, he said uh, Duke has eight McDonald's All Americans and uh, we we eat at McDonald's. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. And, and, and he also said uh, the what is now the really famous one liner out there about it uh, when asked about Duke being such a national school and uh, he said Duke is Duke. They're on TV more than Leave It to Beaver reruns and that 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 still gets played to this day <laughs> around everywhere. And, and Craig, uh, what, what are your memories that of that? Elite Eight run. Obviously, people talk about the Duke you know, the Duke win, the Arizona game, but what thing stood out most about that year? It sounds like, you know, I remember watching when I was in high school, but obviously not following it as closely. It sounds like it was a team that was kind of fractured but came together at the right time. That's exactly what the, the biggest thing was with that. A team that had a tremendous amount of talent that was in danger of not even going to the NCAA tournament. They put it together uh, – at, at the perfect time, and uh, they all really came together, decided to play as a team, and they, they were pretty much uh, loaded with talent. I mean, if yeah. they didn't lose to uh, Arizona, they could have gone all the way. Um, you know, who knows, but, you know, they, they could have gone all the way. Uh, a couple other things I remember about Pete is, uh, of course, the timeouts. 
it seemed like he he needed to have a timeout uh, after 20, 30 seconds of the game. And he was famous for not having any timeouts left in the second half. He would use like three and five minutes if he had to. Uh, the other thing I always remember about him is uh, how how into the game he was. I mean, game was 20 seconds old. Jacket was off. Hair was already disheveled. He was already sweating like anything. Shirt is soaked through. And they, they're going about four or five minutes. And it, it looks like he's already been through a war. You know, it was he was into the game that much. Uh, Pete was one of a kind. Absolutely. Well, that wraps up this podcast. Great little discussion around Pete Gillen. I love those one-liners. I, I feel like I could listen to them all day if, if there was in a book somewhere. Uh, but uh, that concludes our show. For My name's Craig Bellhumer. For Kevin Fairhard, Craig Layton, thanks a lot for listening to this edition of the FriarBasketball.com podcast. Look for the Friars to get a W on Saturday. Noon tip-off against Georgetown. Tickets are still available at Friars.com. Also, check us out on Facebook, FriarBasketball.com. We have a link to us on our website. Check it out. Thanks a lot for listening. Good night, Friartown. I see the dawn of a